Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And that can be a challenge, that mission that we go after, especially with the world of social media and this post-pandemic and all of that stuff. And today we're actually focusing in on one of those subjects. It's Instagram. It just feels like we sort of crossed a threshold recently, this fall 2021 season, where we're all starting to kind of clue in to what Instagram is really doing to us. Well, research has come out. It's been on TV. It's been on news reports that it's had a negative effect, particularly on teenagers and particularly on teenage girls. So you're right. I, I, I don't know about you, but it feels like everywhere I go, I'm hearing conversations of I'm getting off yep. social media. I'm getting off that platform. Yep. Even this like great irony, it's like this new trend and probably almost everybody listening right now has seen somebody do this. They get on Instagram and they do this big, long post Sometimes they even like screenshot it. You have to swipe through it, you know, but it's this big, long post about how they're leaving Instagram, maybe for a short time, maybe for good. And it's just the irony of ironies that the very last thing you do before you walk away from this social media platform is you do one last big post. That's right. Yeah. And you're probably looking at all your likes and follows grow because of that one big post. It's true. And I don't know of any school that we have partnered with, middle school, high school or university, that conversation doesn't eventually go to this. Yeah. Uh, not only Instagram or social media in general, but yep. are you seeing that kids are getting off? Are you yeah. seeing that kids are posting and saying, I'm out of here, yep. drop the mic, yep. I'm gone. It sort of reminds me of the trend, um, and we've talked about this before because it, it was fascinating. We both got to watch as sort of the millennial trends shifted to the Generation Z trends. And one of those things that we watched was the uh, viral interest all of a sudden switched to the vanishing interest, uh-huh. right? We watched yeah. a generation of kids just become more cautious about what yeah. they were posting. And you might argue TikTok is as viral as anything yeah. millennials yeah. ever did. But I would say we're very much in a world today where I don't think Generation Z as adults will make the same decisions that millennials as adults did with social yeah, I media. I think you're right. I think Gen Z has learned from the millennials yeah. who made the mistakes. Thank you very much. Yes, we did. I mean, one common scenario I paint when I'm teaching on Gen Z or millennials is, you know, a Gen Z high school kid might have an older brother or sister who went to the big party on campus on Friday night and got yep. crunk, crazy drunk, uh-huh. then posted pictures on Instagram because, you know, it was cool. Why not? Yeah. They forgot they had the big job interview on Monday morning. Uh-huh. And oh, that's why not. Right? That's right. Their potential <laughs> employer saw the post and said, don't want to see, do, you yeah. know, I don't want to hire you. Yeah. So Gen Z goes, well, I will go to the party and I do have to post, but it'll be on Snapchat. Yeah. It'll go away quickly. Nobody will know. Nobody will see it. So they're smart. Yep. But we're learning now about all the negative. I mean, yep. Facebook has done their own studies, and we're going to talk about that. Yep. Uh, Instagram is owned by Facebook, and so truth yep. has come out. Yep. And everybody's getting a little bit more scared and savvy, both yep. S words there, scared and savvy. It's not just, will I be remembered for what I post? Now, this, all of a sudden, we're asking the deeper questions of, what is this whole uh, rhythm of posting and seeking out the approval of others and immersing myself in this uh, uh, virtual social media world. What is it actually doing to me and my mental health? And that's what the data is starting to point towards. Absolutely. In fact, one case study, if a listener's uh, tuning in right now and thinking, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about here. I, the people are getting off. Um, so one teen, Anastasia Vlasova, uh, developed an eating disorder mm. and went to see a therapist. It did not take her therapist long to say, I think it's your time on Instagram. Now, that's interesting. Yeah. So here's a trained master's degree clinical therapist. 
But um, Anastasia, who spent about three hours a day on Instagram, Which so that's pretty, a lot, but yeah, but normal. Normal for that yeah. age. Uh, said that she's been on that platform about three hours a day since she was 13. So that's, that's, it was years. And she said, here's what her explanation was. When I went on Instagram, all I saw were images of chiseled bodies, perfect abs, and women doing 100 burpees in 10 minutes. Yeah. So you do. You see people at their best and you go, that's not me. Yeah. I feel bad about me. I mean, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. And, and again, you and I might get on that platform, see those same things yeah. and go, one, is that real? You yeah, know, that's right. But yeah. two, we also, we have a grounded sense of identity. We understand yeah. ourselves. But even we with that, uh, you know, at that older stage of life, able to process things a little better, <laughs> we're affected by that. We start looking in the mirror and looking around. I know, going, going, What's I need to me? do a hundred burpees in that's 10 right. minutes. But, but what we, uh, what we need to acknowledge is that if you're 13 and going through that, you don't have that same ability. You don't have that same sort of grounded sense of identity uh, with which to kind of uh, engage stabilize or, or yourself. stabilize yeah. yeah during that during that engagement well in fact nearly one in three teen girls Andrew said that when they felt bad about their bodies Instagram made them feel worse wow according to an internal report that um, was was done by Facebook wow yeah wow crazy so the Wall Street Journal revealed and I quote for the past three years, Facebook has been conducting studies into how its photo sharing app affects its millions of young users repeatedly. The company's researchers found that Instagram is harmful to a sizable percentage of them. Wow. So they're saying that to themselves. Yep. What are we going to do about this? Yep. And as those reports came out, it kind of sounded like Facebook kind of knew this was happening, but was do, was doing their best rather than making changes or coming, you know, taking that public and going, we're acknowledging this and we need to make changes. Instead, they've been sitting on it for a yeah. while, uh, which is obviously what's causing such an uproar. Well, and here's the danger of that sitting on it. You're absolutely right. The Wall Street Journal revealed how Facebook employees flagged drug cartels and human traffickers wow. on their platforms. But the company's response was slow and at times non-existent. Why? Well, the revenue. Yeah. The, you know, the, we don't want to change the algorithms. We too we buy, big of a change. That's yeah. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to be careful. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg is human. I'm human. You're human. Yep. But boy, this is now... Were they're aiding to the problem when they do nothing about it. Yeah. Uh, one of their reports, Andrew, I want to read this now. One of their own reports says, and this is what they said to themselves in fa as Facebook, our platforms have proven to be harmful to millions of young users. Teens blame Instagram for increases in the rates of anxiety and depression. And the link between suicidal thoughts and our platforms is real in the UK and the US. Wow. That's just... Um, Unacceptable, I think. Yeah, it really is. And this is the kind of data, you know, for years, Tim, you and I have stood on stages and had parents yeah. ask us, yeah. uh, what is social media doing to our kids? How long should we be letting them have it? Can we give our kids, do we give them phones at 10, 12, 14, yeah. 16? And we never really had the answer because the data wasn't really out. And we yes. kept saying, yeah. I, I remember standing on stages four or five years ago going, at some point, somebody's going to do a study yeah. where we're really going to find out what the effects are. And, and this is that report that yeah. we were imagining in the future. And now we're seeing the things that we feared were true are starting to become confirmed or true. So here's some real specifics from this study. The Facebook report to themselves on the platforms said that while these are not exclusive outcomes, the findings are one, Instagram. The downside is social comparison. So kids will tend to compare each other, focus on heavily on body and lifestyle. Yep. 
to Snapchat keeps the focus on the face. The downside is softened by humorous posts. So Snapchat, people get funny. Yep, yep. And then three, TikTok often focuses on performance, and the downside is an absurd amount of videos. So yeah. you've even gotten on and go, I got to get off this thing. Yeah, yeah, I spent a little bit of time on TikTok. It was an overwhelming place. I can't imagine being a teenager trying to yeah. manage my time on there. Yeah. So now Congress, the U.S. Congress has gotten into the act. They've had uh, Facebook team members, Mark Zuckerberg, come before them. Uh, in a recent hearing, a committee compared Instagram, get this, to tobacco. Wow. Calling it the newest form of cigarette smoking for teens. Wow. And I know that seems absurd, but in many ways it's true. I can't stop. I can't stop smoking this Instagram thing, you know, yeah. or this platform. So researchers inside Instagram were studying this experience and asking if it's part of a broader phenomenon. Mm. And their findings confirm some of the serious problems. One former Facebook employee acknowledged there were conflicts of interest between Facebook leaders and public trust. So they're now saying, we realize we didn't do enough. Wow. So this is our chance in this conversation to say, all right, what can we do as customers, consumers, and just caring people? about kids. So um, I want to bring up something before, because we're going to get really practical and talk about how do we lead really well in this very Instagram uh, fueled world and filled world. Um, but you put something together. It's alliterative, but uh -huh. it's quite helpful to help us kind of understand the shifting world that we find ourselves in yeah. and why helping kids make better decisions in spaces like Instagram and other social media sites, yeah. why that might be not only important, but maybe one of the most important skills that we help them to yeah. So do you want to walk through that? Sure. I, I'll be glad to. So, you know, I, you and I get to do a lot of research as we write and, and try to help educators and parents figure out this world we're in. Um, Steve Forbes did a, did a speech years and years and years ago. And that kernel from that speech stayed in my mind. And as I began to develop my own thoughts, I came up with this very simple two-column diagram. So listeners, if you can imagine two columns, one represents the era that we were living in, the time in history that we were living in. Yep. And then the right-hand column represents the, the skill set that enabled people to flourish in that time period. So let's go back in time millenniums ago, okay? Not centuries, but thousands of years ago. We were living in an agricultural age yep. thousands of years ago. Most people did their work outside. Uh, they were farmers or, 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 or whatever. And the, the most important element to thrive in that day was your muscles. Yeah. Okay. You're outside and the stronger you are, the more longer you can work and the more you work the cattle or the grain or whatever you've got. So agricultural age, you needed muscles, strong yep. muscles. Yep, yep, yep. We move forward to the industrial age. Now that's centuries ago. Uh, we're looking at 18th, 19th century. And I think the critical component to thrive in this day was your machines. Yeah. We started to develop machines to help us do our work. In fact, assembly lines came along and, yep. and you know, Henry Ford. and Pushed Thomas us Edison. forward, yeah. That's mm -hmm. right. So you're still using your muscles, but now it's the machines that made you flourish. Fast forward to my growing up years. Um, we moved into the information age. In yeah. fact, you and I both went to school and we heard over and over, we're in the information age, yeah. you know, age yeah. now, television, radio. It's about what you know. Yeah. That's right. In fact, the critical component to thrive in the information age is your minds. Yeah. So you see the alliteration. We went from our muscles to our machines to our minds. And I would say it's true. Most people that graduate from school, college or high school, would probably use their minds mostly yeah. Yeah. to do their work. But I think we're on the brink of a new age. In fact, I don't think I know we are, and I'm not even a futurist or a prophet. We're moving into now 
the normalization of the in intelligence age, yeah, where all of devices are intelligent. We yep. call them smartphones. Smart. In fact, we have smartphones. We have smart homes now. Yep. Yep. Uh, my wife and I can touch a little app on our phone and lock the doors yep. from somewhere else. Turn on the lights. Set the alarm. Uh, we have smart cars now. My friend Lanny just got another Tesla. I'm so jealous of him, but smart cars that can drive themselves. Yep. We, we're living in, in the intelligence age where all of our devices are smart. And Andrew, as I look at that, and I look at what we're capable of doing because of our robotic age that we're living in, I wonder if we're going to look back and say the critical component to thrive is our morals. Mm. Are we ethically ready for where science and technology can take us? Yeah. And I know I'm not the first person to say that. It's been said for, for ages now. But I'd like you, listeners, as caring adults for the next generation, to be thinking, do we need to find ways to say, yeah, isn't science and technology cool? Are we ready to make a moral decision on what we can do with yeah. this yeah. science and technology. So many of us are so caught up, I think, still in that information age mindset of it's just about what kids know and, and what we're putting to their brains and all of those things. Yeah. And we're not realizing that actually the world we're headed towards in, is one in which information is ubiquitous, right? Yeah. We've all got access. A quick Google search, we can get information. Yeah. The real critical component is what do we do with that yeah. information? That's right. Now, there's some encouraging news. I was just with a group of high school seniors, public high school students. Students. And I talked about this very truth, the muscles, machines, minds, and morals. Every one of them did what you're doing right now. They were nodding at 17, 18 years old. They got it. And the discussion afterwards was no doubt about it. Mm. In other words, as an emerging adult, I see this could be scary unless we have some sort of guardrail up ethically. I'm not saying stop science. We need science. We need technology. We, it's not going away. We nope. want it yep. to be in our yep. lives, but we better be ready for it internally. And so I think part of what we need to do is not just teach reading, writing, arithmetic, but have a way of teaching values in the school systems in which we take part. Uh, teaching ethics. Yep. And maybe it's a course for Pete's sake, not just leave it to chance or, oh, mom and dad, I know you're both working, but try to find out, have an ethics conversation at dinner yeah, on Monday night. Yeah. Maybe that, for sure that, ha in fact, my mom and dad did that way back 50 years ago. But I think we need to find ways to insert it in all of our systems, school, sports, home, you name it. That's great. It's such a great foundational idea for um, for what we need to be doing. But I want to get really practical okay. now because um, I know you actually have some suggestions. If we're thinking about the problem that is our kids on social media, we yeah. now have said we live in a world in which it's about training their morals, right? Helping them make yeah. better choices and all of those things. So walk us through some practical things. How do we lead well in this time considering all the factors that are at play? Yeah. So because Facebook and Instagram, God love them, wonderful, sharp people that are making lots of money, have made some decisions for us and we weren't quite ready yep. for what Instagram would do to teenagers. I'm going to uh, I'm going to be very clear and very firm now. Um, listeners, you can eat the fish and spit out the bones. Yep. But I'm going to give some direction. I've just got a handful of ideas. Number one, since it's addictive, it's been proven to be addictive. Why not equip students to control their time on social media? Yep. Treat it like it might be a cigarette, okay? Yeah. Cigarettes are not illegal, 
but it's not really good for a young person, yeah. and it's certainly addictive. We've and all, the more you we, do it, the worse it gets. If you read the package, it even gives a warning on yeah. it, right? Yeah. So I'm just saying uh, users need to manage their time. We cannot just leave it to chance. Yeah. Moms and dads listening are probably nodding in the car right now. Yes, we need to do this, but we need to find ways to do this. Talk about it. Um, a meta-analysis of the data surrounding social media, uh, Andrew, reveals that teens should practice a two-hour time limit. Yeah. Let me tell you where I come up with this. It's not out of the you know, thin air. Users who spend under two hours or two hours or less are less vulnerable to anxiety and depression. So for some reason, there seems to be a magical cutoff at two hours. Less than two hours, I'm not as vulnerable to anxiety and depression. Those who use it more than two hours are measurably more vulnerable. Mm. And the more you use it, you get to three hours, four hours, five hours, eight hours a day. Some teens are using it eight hours a day. Ugh, it's scary. So at home, I would suggest a 9 p.m. I'm just suggesting, this is in pencil, but I, I, I suggest no phones after 9 p.m. In a classroom, I think there should be a no phone zone. So certainly phones can be used. We just had this asset in a next generation certification yep. event we just did. How, how, you know, what should we do in the classroom? I, I think we should teach them redemptive uses for the phone. Yeah, absolutely. We can use them to research, but there should be perhaps a little tapestry that's hanging on the wall with pockets in it, and their phones can be put away where nobody's on them yep. during science class or math class or yep. spelling or whatever. Yeah. Yep. So... Um, also, one last thing. Most parents know you can get an app where you are watching what your teens are doing. And I know we've talked about this before, but um, I have a friend who found a way to discipline his daughters. Rick is a dear friend of mine uh, who violated the guidelines that they set in their home. Mm -hmm. um, he bought a family phone. He calls it the family phone. And they all know what that means, and it's a derogatory term. Okay. Uh, it, they, they use in place of the personal portable devices uh, that they would have each week. So if one of his daughters violates you know, the rules. He goes, well, you know what you're going to get now. He takes the wonderful iPhone away and gives them this flip phone. Uh -huh. Oh, they hate it. It's a flip phone. And it's old, sake. I'm guessing. Oh, my gosh. He says, my daughters don't even want to take it out of the backpack. You know, it stays <laughs> so in So embarrassed about so it. So they have it just in case they need to do an emergency call to mom or yeah. whatever. But <laughs> it says, I will never do that again. They get it for about a week or maybe three days. They, they, they have a justified you know, penalty yeah. for the family phone. But this can work if teens violate the rules. And I just think it teaches them to manage their time. We need to give them sense of ownership of their time, yep. and this is one way to do it. I love it. I love it. All right, take us to number two. Idea number two, since it's harmful, teach them to do something redemptive on social media. So we don't just need to leave it to, ah, social media is horrible. It doesn't have to be horrible. Yeah. Wonderful things. We raised money through the, you know, um, ice bucket challenge years yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh, good things. We, we raise money. We, we, can, we can get involved with causes or nonprofits that we Great that we connections. Love. Yeah. So I think we need to, I need to say users must control their tongues and avoid posts of certain people and then make sure they're doing something redemptive. So this is not a new thought. But um, while we've always needed to tell teenagers, you need to control your mouth, watch your vocabulary, you know, I think on social media, it's easy to get lost with wrong vocabulary. Yeah. Because I can hide behind a screen. So right now, social media is both a blessing and a curse. Everybody would agree with that, I think. Great connections and charitable giving can happen, but then hurtful and damaging words can happen as well. And far too often, in addition to the research above, Facebook also found young women have been diagnosed with eating disorders now. 
anxiety disorders, depression, or even have suicidal ideation. This is not good. So why not sit down with your teens, your students, and identify the great things happening on social media platforms and then choose their own. Mm. Remember Gary Davison did this. We yeah. talked about him on a podcast who kind of turned the tide at the, at uh, Lambert High School by yep. teaching positive things that they can do. So this habit can drown out the negative and replace it with positive. I love that. I love that. It's acknowledging that these, this thing is a tool. It is a tool that has an impact on us, which has been proven through all this data, but it's an acknowledgement that you are empowered. You don't just have to be a slave to this device. Yep. You can also be a master and turn it into something that's positive and creates good change. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Idea number three, since it's shaming, teach them how to stop comparing themselves to others. I think we fall into the comparison trap far too yeah. often on social media, maybe more there than anywhere else. We all compare ourselves. And I would say sometimes comparison can be good and inspiring. If I see somebody that is a better writer than I am, I can be inspired by that. So it doesn't have to be bad. But you know what I've noticed on social media? We often compare our worst features to someone else's best features. Yes. You know, oh, they got a beautiful body. They got yeah. a beautiful this or that. Or look at that vacation they yep. just took. Never mind FOMO. that they took 30 photos to get the one that you're seeing. Or 50. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. So we need to use, we need to teach our, our teenagers to tame their appetites. Mm. Appetites are normal for human beings. But I'm telling you, um, the top emotions teens feel, according to some school counselors, are anxiety, inferiority, and shame. Mm. Can I give you those again? Anxiety, inferiority, and shame. Those are not good. No, they aren't. They aren't. So shame is rarely a healthy motivator. It can't In be, fact, yeah. sometimes we as teachers and parents have used shame. Shame on you. You know, that sort of thing. It's not a good motivator. Mm -hmm. In fact, it often does as much or if not more damage than good. Um, the recent Facebook presentation confessed, and I quote, we make body image issues worse for one in three teen girls. Crazy. So they're admitting it. Yeah. Um, and if this is true, I just say, why not build a sense of agency in teens, especially females? Um, they don't have to go get on social media sites and view other girls and compare themselves. They don't have to. We don't have to do anything. Yeah. So we need to get out of that trap. Well, I have to. Um, the best way to reduce this shameful feeling is to not see it in the first place. And the second best way is to learn to stop comparing yourself to others uh, along the way. Um, the key is to identify strengths. Yes. Okay. Yep. And then play to those strengths. And we all have strengths, even every yep. teenager that uses it. We have to establish an identity for ourselves separate from that platform. Yes, that's right. Because I think the big danger here is that so much of this happens subconsciously, mm -hmm. right? That yep. 13 year old is not thinking about it. They are, it is affecting them, but they're not thinking about it. And because of that, it allows these things to sort of slip in unnoticed, right? Yeah. So when we have conscious conversations and we say, who are you? Whether you're on Instagram or not, yeah. who are you? Yeah. We have those conversations that then uh, can set the foundation for them to make that conscious decision. You know what? I don't need to compare myself to that person. Yeah. I already know who I am. I already know yeah. what I'm good at. I already know what my strengths and gifts and talents are. Yeah. And that's so important for kids. Today. It is. Absolutely. All right. Let's do the last one. The last one, number four. This is a big one. <laughs> Since it's practicing questionable ethics, and I want to say it's social media platforms, yeah. why not boycott? 
Facebook or Instagram or or others that you feel like are damaging to your to to your teens. Now, please hear me. I am not trying to start a movement here or or I think everything that's being done by Facebook or is is just awful. But um, we just talked about the percentage of teens that are realizing realizing themselves. So users are going to have to choose to master technology instead of letting it master them. And for some, it means I'm going to fast from technology yep. or I'm going to quit altogether. Yep. Um, now, I realize a boycott seems harsh. I, do, I already said that. But here's why I say it. Mark Zuckerberg, this marvelous, sharp Harvard grad, said he cares about the health of users. He said that to Congress. Yep. And yet so far, he's been unwilling to give up algorithms to lose people. Yep. He didn't want to do that because yep. that's money. Yep. Uh, I think they're doing okay. He's putting his money yeah. not where his mouth is That's in this right. case. Yeah. So he says Facebook ha- made moves to increase meaningful social interactions. But Jonah Peretti, CEO of BuzzFeed, acknowledged to them, MSI ranking isn't actually rewarding content that's meaningful. So we say we're, do- we're not doing it mm. on, on social media platforms. So I suggest that you, your family, or your class... Consider getting off Facebook or Instagram altogether, maybe do, suggesting as a movement for 30 days until they show that ethics are more important than revenue generation. And we've learned from, from history, just think of the civil rights movement, boycotts can get the job done. Indeed they can. Yeah. Now, it is important that we don't bo- boycott on behalf of our students, right? So we yeah. don't say, hey, I'm taking your phone away because you are now boycotting Instagram, right? But I think this is an opportunity to give them some agency in that yeah. choice to go, That's right. hey, what if, what if you and I, what if we all got off Instagram, maybe for 30 days or however long we need to, but we did it to let them know that we don't agree with their practices. Yeah. I think that's a very healthy decision. Now, here's some good news. According to a new study from the Associated Press and NORC, N-O-R-C, at the University of Chicago, 58% of American teens have taken a break from at least one social media platform. Wow. So many of them on their Are own, already almost doing that. six out of 10, yep. has said, this is not good. So those who voluntarily leave social media feel more positive about their time away. So they, they surveyed them afterwards and say, I actually feel better. Um, it's no coincidence. And I say we just need to guide this next generation into these healthy choices that, that they need to make. Absolutely. You know, I, just as a quick illustration of this. Um, a couple years ago, my my niece, who's now uh, 15 years old, you know, I don't have teenagers in my home, so I'm always looking for opportunities to do little focus groups, you yeah, know. Yeah. And so uh, I was sitting with her. She had just turned 13 a couple years ago. Um, and I knew she's at that zone, that time when uh, she's probably interested in getting on social media and her friends are probably talking about this stuff. And so um, I knew that she didn't have a phone yet at 13 years old. And so I just kind of wanted to poke and prod and see how she felt about that. So she and I were just talking about her friends and yeah. how she connects with them. And I said, I noticed you don't have a phone or a smartphone that you can get uh, online. Do your friends have those? And she was like, oh, yeah, every single one of them. Wow. They all have phones. They're all on social media. And she said, and they talk about it all the time. And I was like, well, that's got to be frustrating. She said, yeah, it's very frustrating because I feel like I don't know what's going on sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So I asked the question I think anybody would ask in that scenario. Do you kind of wish your mom and dad had kind of gotten you a phone. And she sat and thought about it for a moment. And here's what she said. She said, no, I don't wish I had a phone. I kind of wish my friends didn't have them. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And I just thought, what a great picture of a very wise young woman yeah. who was looking at this and going, you know what? 
they feel like it's making them better. But as a as I'm looking from the outside and going, yeah. I don't think that's actually making us better. Um, so I'm sure she'll make mistakes as she goes. But I'm sitting there looking at a 13 year old who, and I'm just so impressed and so proud of her for, to be able to recognize that. And I think more young people are going to get to that point yeah. where they recognize that same thing too. Out of the mouth of babes. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's powerful. Exactly. Well, Tim, thank you so much for leading us. Thank you guys for navigating this really big challenge that is leading young people uh, on social media. We need young people who are ready to make great decisions and how they interact in person and in the online space. And the best way to do that is to build in them life skills. So if you're interested in finding a way to do that, we have a program. It's not the only program out there, but we are pretty partial to it. We call it Habitudes. Habitudes are images that form leadership habits and attitudes. We use pictures, metaphors, and stories to communicate life principles to young people. Uh, I would suggest to you, if you don't know where to where to start, check out Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning. We have a middle school and a high school edition of our program. All you got to do is head on over to growingleaders.com slash SEL. That's growingleaders.com slash SEL. And you can find out all about Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning and start a process where you actually develop life skills in the next generation. Well, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That helps get the word out about what we're doing here. You can also quite literally get the word out by sharing this podcast with a friend. If you found it helpful, pass it along to somebody who you think may enjoy it as well. Uh, if you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, people you want us to interview or topics you think we should cover, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those. Tim, thanks once again for leading us on this important conversation. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time.